0: Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venue Land, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry.
1: I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them.
0: Hello and welcome to another Detour episode of Adventures in venueland Land, an EAMC podcast. I'm Dave Rettelberger here, along with my co-host Paul Hooper, and this week it's been a lot of fun doing something a little bit different than we've done before with a special series, this time focusing on Earth Week. This is part three of three. So, yeah, go back and check out the first two parts and then come back to this one. Uh, We're releasing them all here throughout Earth Week, The little bite-sized mini episodes. Today's episode topic is we're going to talk about zero waste. You hear that term a lot, but what does it mean to be a zero waste facility? Paul, one more time, will you uh, introduce our guest?
1: Yeah, so we're back again with Brianna Treat, the Director of Sustainability for Climate Pledge Arena and Seattle Kraken in Seattle, Washington. So welcome back, Brianna. I feel like we're getting to know you in the building so much more now.
2: <laughs> we're all great friends now.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and
0: great friends talk about zero waste, right? How we all can the time. From- <laughs> so tell, me, tell me, you know, as, as a Director of Sustainability, what is a zero waste facility? What does that mean?
2: Yeah, this is probably my favorite thing to talk about. So preface, my first job out of college, my business card read, professional trash talker. I can't make this <laughs> up. Um, so again, one that. of my favorite topics to to talk about is, is actually waste. So what is zero waste? What does it mean? How does it apply to venues? Zero waste is basically diverting at least 90 percent of all of your waste away from a landfill. 90 percent is that sweet mark. It's an industry standard. We at Climate Pledge Arena actually have an ambitious goal that's five percent more than that that 90 threshold. So we want to achieve a 95 percent diversion rate. You
0: got to do a little better than everybody else. I see how it is.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> We're competitive. <laughs> um, So really, when we were thinking about how we were going to pull this off, I mean, think about venues, they're surge facilities. I mean, there are 15,000 people in our venue every other day purchasing things, right? Purchasing things that need to go somewhere by the time that they leave, whether it's aluminum, food, you name it. And so when we set this goal up, we thought, how can we make this easy for ourselves from the beginning? How can we operate as a zero waste facility with some ease? And so it really all started with procurement. So from the very start, I mean, before the building opened, my boss and a few others before I was hired were actually in a conference room where there were all of these compostable bamboo cutlery um, recyclables just strewn across the table Um, for us to really work with our haulers here locally on what they could accept from us and what could be diverted to either compost or recycling inside the venue. So we wanted to make sure we squared that up with our haulers to ensure that, okay, we are going to to have materials in the building. Um, Let's make sure these folks can take them so that it doesn't go to a landfill. We don't get any contamination, et cetera. So from the very beginning, we procured only recyclables and compostables around the arena. So if you were a fan, you would only be purchasing compostables and recyclables around the venue with the exception of three items. Um, These three items are all wrappers. So chip wrappers, candy wrappers, peanut bag wrappers. Those are the only three items that belong into the landfill bin at our arena, which as you can imagine is a very small volume because they weigh very little. So procuring was key. So when I got onboarded a little over a year and a half ago, you know, we were at a pretty low diversion rate. And we were like, well, how can we ramp this up? Or we're procuring only compostables and recyclables, but how can we get to that 95% threshold? So I worked really heavily with our director of housekeeping. And really, we, we created this system. So really a zero waste system where... All of the bags around the concourse, and this sounds really simple, but it's key, we color-coded everything. So, for example, if you came to one of our bins at the arena, we have blue bags for recycling, we have green bags for compost, and we have clear bags for landfill. Why? Well, when we're all picking these up, you know, during an event, during a cracking game, during a Billie Eilish show— Our folks down with housekeeping need to know where these bags are supposed to go, and if they're all in black bags, how are we supposed to know what's in them? How are we going to ensure they're in the right place? So really setting up a system was key as well after the procurement process. So we started actually on-site sorting every single bag of waste that comes down from all of our events. And what I mean by on-site sorting is we have a team of about six or seven folks down in what we call our material recovery room, which is a.k.a. our trash room. Um, mm-hmm. we, we have those folks down there splitting open every single bag to ensure that every material is every to the Every correct- single bag every from every single event. Bag every single bag is ripped open by our team to ensure that all those materials are diverted to the right place. Um, we want as little landfill as possible. So sometimes we have to get creative, but it was really, really on-site sorting that shifted our numbers from fairly low to, to now in the high nineties, the last 10 months, which is phenomenal.
1: Wow. I mean, I think it is important, like you said, to, look for ways to make it easier for other people. I think it's easy in this industry where you have so many departments that touch each other that everyone knows, you know, it's really fun to have ideas when someone else has to do the work, you know? So how many times have we been talking to other people that are like, Oh yeah, I had this great idea. So I need you all to do this on this crazy time. And then everyone just rolls their eyes and it's like, why should I give a shit about this? Where, as I think like the easier you make it on everyone, then whether they care about it or not, it's either a not going to change their routine. So they wouldn't know any different, like they're going to pick up the bags no matter what, but now they're color coded. So it's making your, you know, staff that are, you know, cleaning up all that areas like so much easier you know we should color code our bags regardless now you know it's almost like right. that's just the smart thing to do so i think it is important to kind of uh address it almost from the bottom up is like how are we making our staff's lives easier to where they're not just doing something because it's a priority of us up at the top but because it's also you know, the same amount of time or it's less time than they would have if we didn't change anything.
2: Absolutely. And I think also when folks start understanding really how much waste we generate as an arena, and then you start thinking about how many arenas are there globally? And if they're all operating just like us, then that's that's a really large impact we have as an industry. And just to give you an idea of the amount of waste we generate from event to event. I mean, so for a regular cracking game at home, we're generating anywhere from six to seven tons of waste per cracking game. So if we have 42 home cracking games, I mean, 42 times seven tons, I told you I wasn't good at math, but that's a lot. That's a lot <laughs> of waste. <That laughs> so I mean, lot. same for a typical concert. So I mean, concerts generate a little bit more. So you'd see a little bit around eight or nine tons of waste for an average concert. So when I talked about those 146 events last year, I mean, the waste was was. It was huge, right? I think we diverted, gosh, since we opened 841 tons of waste away from a landfill already. So, to put that in perspective, just picture 841 elephants standing outside your door. I mean, that's a (laughs) lot of waste. (laughs)
1: That's a lot of damn elephants. (laughs) Yes,
2: but I think what's been most interesting about that is really engaging with the fan and how, you know, I've never worked for a sports venue, but, um, when I said that every job was a climate job, I mean, this is a perfect example. We've heavily worked with our marketing team at the arena to message why we are a zero waste facility. What does it mean? How, how as a fan, can you help do your part? So, I mean, on a third period of cracking games, we have a recycling game that we play alerting folks of we're a zero waste arena how we're doing it and why it matters that that we all play our own part and um we also realize that we can't depend on the fan to always do the right thing at the bin right especially if we lose right you know especially when people are leaving the building they're gonna throw it wherever they want but exactly (laughs) which is why we pick up the slack with on-site sorting but really engaging with the fan has been key and and especially um Given that Earth Month is just next month, or really just a couple of days away now, we're actually going to have sorting games out on the concourse um, at some of our games here in April, teaching folks exactly how to sort on site um, using only materials that you'd find around the arena. So these are just other types of ways that we try to make sustainability fun, gamify it, but also try to get our fans on board as
0: well. Talk a little bit about the, your ban on, on single use plastic, right? That's coming for 24.
2: That's right. So ban of single-use plastic has probably been one of my favorite goals to work on. And we actually had a really big win as of last month. So if you were walking around the concourse right now as a fan, you'll notice that all of our Pepsi beverages, Pepsi is one of our corporate partners, and they're also signatories of the Climate Pledge. We worked with Pepsi over the last six months to convert all of our single-use plastic beverages provided by Pepsi to fully aluminum. So if you were walking around the concourse today, you would see that aluminum shimmer all over the concourse. No single-use plastic bottles at all. The only single-use plastic we have left over are those three items I mentioned earlier, those wrappers, um, which we hope to eradicate this summer to meet that 2024
1: goal. I think that's important because now you're helping you know, these partners too, that you're working with, you're almost forcing them to meet that same bar that you have been forced to meet for Amazon, because now you're like, you know, we have to do this. This is, you know, our, our creed of meeting this, this number. And, you know, have you seen that when working with, you know, maybe it's, maybe Pepsi already has that because they're a big company, but other partners where you've worked with, where, you know, you're kind of forcing them to think on their feet and get creative and innovate themselves. And maybe that's going to pay off down the road because now that partner, you know, has that capability to where their next client, when they say, you know, we want to be a little more green, they can say, well, we have these aluminum cups that we did for Climate Pledge Arena. We wouldn't have ever done that otherwise, you know?
2: Yeah, I think we we built ourselves a really unique circumstance surrounding our corporate partners. So, I mean, a handful of our corporate partners are also signatories of Climate Pledge, like I mentioned, Pepsi, Alaska Airlines, Verizon. And so we picked our partners very selectively understanding that we were going to need folks to help us with our sustainability goals. And we knew maybe we could help them with their sustainability goals because like we mentioned in a past episode, really fighting the climate crisis is a collective issue. So the more people we have on board helping us reach our goals whilst also helping them reach theirs makes such a larger impact than if we were just trying to do this alone. So to your point, working collectively with these corporate partners to, to really implement these types of initiatives like removing single-use plastic from our beverages with Pepsi has just been so unique. And I've not really seen this from a corporate partner's per- perspective lean into sustainability so hard.
0: All right, Brianna, before we let you go, somebody's listening today and they're thinking, I would like to get my company involved in, or my arena or my venue involved in being more sustainable, but I'm not sure where to start. Give me some resources, a, a great way for somebody to get started into this world.
2: Yeah. I mean, track and measure. I mean, ask for your utility bills from your accounts payable team. Start tracking the kilowatt hours every month. I mean, I always say track, 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 measure, 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 but you really can't enact or implement projects without knowing where you're at, right? So even if you're you've tracked it and you're not where you'd love to be, that's a perfect opportunity to set a goal so that you can reach that mark. So again, no matter where you're at, don't let perfection ruin progress.
0: Well, I like that. yeah.
2: It's it's a journey, and um, every little bit counts. But know where you're at. Just know where you're at is is really the the most important piece.
1: And for zero waste, you know, what is there a good First step you recommend on that side. Obviously, a lot of people are going to hear that thing. Like Dave and I were like, oh my gosh, you are sorting every single bag. Like, that's incredible, but maybe not attainable for some markets of people. Others might be able to start doing that. But where do you think they can start to make that impact where they, you know, maybe aren't sorting it on that level? Is it, you know, is it maybe just clearly marked? bins that are in your concourse or something that maybe some people don't have that would be a a fairly decent, easy first step.
2: Yeah, I would say again, track where you are you're at. What is your current diversion rate and why? what are you procuring in your venue or your stadium first figure out that do a personal audit figure out exactly what you're always going to see in these waste streams and really what's what's kind of bogging you down on the landfill In, and, and maybe your set of goals are associated with removing certain products every six months every couple of years to procure only compostables or recyclables maybe it's more low-hanging fruit like more on-site education for your staff or your fans about waste. Maybe it's, again, the color-coded bag system. Maybe it's creating, you know, infographics to teach folks exactly where things go in your venue, even if they're not all compostable or recyclable items. So there are there is a lot of low-hanging fruit, but I would say first step, see where you're at. Do do your own internal audit.
0: All right. So somebody's listening today and they say, oh, I want to ask her a question. How, how can people get in touch with you, Brianna?
2: Yeah, um, I'm always happy to share anything and everything that we do, um, including our waste policies, our environmental purchasing policies, and anyone can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm sure my email is floating around on my page out there somewhere.
0: <laughs> hey, thank you so much for being part of our first ever series. I think, I think we've all come out of this a, a, a whole lot impressed and at least a little bit smarter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to everybody for listening to this special uh, Earth Week series here on Adventures in Venueland. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'd love your five-star review so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger.
1: And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy Earth Week. Adventures in Venue Land is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference, a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com.
0: Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner, design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck,
2: copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker.
1: Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.